0: I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah, wonder what ever happened to baby Jesus. Wait, he, he grew up. What? Wait, so you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah, thanks honey. Wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he, he went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, and came back to life, and, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? (sighs) Okay, I was really, oh, wow. Okay, I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this, There's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once a year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top.
1: That's the idea. My favorite part when he goes, wait, all three guys? No, the same guy. Hey, I'm so excited about the Christmas season. Are you? Are you excited about it? Yeah. Um, I spent my Thanksgiving holiday in Hattiesburg, Mississippi with my kid, both of my kids, their mates, and my five grandchildren under the age of four. So I heard a little bit about Christmas over Thanksgiving, a little bit. And in fact, we started getting into a conversation about what made Christmas magical. And so, I want, wherever you, whichever service you're in, wherever you're sitting, on three, we're, you're going to yell out. What, what is the one thing that makes, uh, that makes Christmas special for you? One, two, three. Jesus! Now see, i got a church guy up here on the front row. He <laughs> says, I don't know what he's asking, but the answer is Jesus. <laughs> you know, if you were to talk to my grandkids... They would say presents, they would say uh, a tree, Santa Claus, they would talk about that part of Christmas, right? I grew up that way. I grew up in a denomination that not only didn't celebrate Christmas, but we were taught that if you celebrated Christmas as Christ's birthday, you were outside of Scripture. That's a whole other message. So That's why, by the way, Christmas Eve is such a big deal to me, we never got to celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas. I hope you'll be with us this Christmas Eve. I hope you'll grab some invites even today and start thinking about your friends you're gonna invite. But then there are others of us who grew up in church and we grew up around the Christmas story, or the birth of Christ story, and so we scream like Johnny Johnny Churchboy here on the front row. It's about Jesus, right? And if I said to you that, well, obviously, Christmas. Is about Jesus, but tell me more. Most of us would go, well, it's about wise men. It's about shepherds. It's about a baby in a manger. It's about a teenage Jewish peasant girl saying yes to Jesus. Uh, And we would talk about all of the events of the day when Jesus was born. I want to, Josiah and I over the next three weeks, I want to talk to you about, I'm going to use a big word, theologically, just overarching, beyond the Santa thing and the elements of the day thing. What is Christmas all about? So we're going to have three R's over the next three weeks that Christmas is all about. I, one of the things I love, quite honestly, is that at Christmas, everywhere you go, it's like a free giveaway today, right? So I can't buy all you presents So over the next three weeks. My gift is a short message over the next three weeks. We're just going to take just a few moments and talk about this. So I want you to write this down. Let me read this passage to you. And then I'm gonna, we're going to begin. I'm going to ask you to write something down. This is the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus came prophesying about his coming, and he says this. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men. "...a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, and he carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him." And by his wounds, we are healed. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that before time was, you were divinely orchestrating not a moment, but the moment over and over again. That you know what we needed most and you sent your best. And we're grateful for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want you to write this down. You're going to have three R's for the next three weeks. I'm getting my alliteration out. Number one, write this down. Christmas is about resurrection. Christmas is about resurrection. Now, before you go, hang on, you're mixing up your holidays. I want to tell you that most of us think about Resurrection being an Easter thing. Resurrection is not an Easter thing. Resurrection is a Jesus thing. Okay, Easter is not an event. Christmas Day is not an event. It signifies the beginning of a life of reality that you're invited to step into. Resurrection is not simply about Christ on a cross. In fact, I would submit to you That resurrection began the moment Adam and Eve fell in the garden and God was beginning the process of making things new. And when Jesus showed up, God with us. Have you ever thought about that God with us? Not just the fact that he is with us, but like he wants to be with us. Like God wants to be with me. I know me. That amazes me, not that he is, but that he would even want to in the first place. God with us, Emmanuel, that from the moment he breathed his first, he was resurrecting stuff. Think about these shepherds out in this field. And it's not your nativity scene at home. These are dirty, nasty, like... The lowest of the low in human culture, that's how they're seen, is nasty, unclean, dirty. G- who's the, they're the first one that the angel comes to announce the coming of the Messiah. And in that moment, Jesus begins to resurrect their value. I mean, think about it. Think about the ministry of Jesus and the word over the top of his ministry is resurrection. Jamie Mullins and Argyle last weekend talked about one of my favorite passages. It's called the Garris, Jesus and the Garrison Demoniac. That's what, how the Bible has a little heading. It's, it's this dude who's demon-possessed, out of his head, mentally ill, pick your deal. I mean, this guy is living in a graveyard, cutting himself, and Jesus shows up, and not only does he heal him, But he becomes the first missionary to that region. Do you think the guy felt resurrection power like a new life, a new start? Think about a woman who'd been married five, six, seven times. You think about some disciples who were fishing, who Jesus gave them purpose and meaning. He was resurrecting something in them. What the resurrection at the end of his life does is validate the resurrection that he was doing before he physically was resurrected. And here's the great news this Christmas. Christmas isn't about what Jesus did. It's not that he was resurrected. It's that he's still resurrecting stuff. You know what the end result of a life firmly planted in the reality of God's resurrection power, it's hope. It's hope. It's a, it, it's the, what those who don't know Jesus would call naive. You know, it, it's, it's the undying belief that it, even when I feel like I'm dying, God is up to something. God's at work. We sang it a moment ago. It's become like... Micah will tell you, this is like the anthem of my heart. You're a way maker, miracle worker. But it's because he says, even when I don't see it, what? You're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. It's how we get out of bed in the morning, believing that God's at work. He's resurrecting stuff. He's leveraging the junk around us, the mess that we have created for ourselves Christmas is not about an event. It's about a, it's about a promise that he's going to resurrect your life. He's doing something. Let me tell you why some of you are disappointed in God. Because the Christmas story tells us that resurrection doesn't look like what we expect it to look like. like the reality that nobody wants to talk about is that God always promises resurrection and it's always what we need and sometimes it's what we want sometimes his resurrection promise and power comes wrapped in the hardest of seasons of our lives, sometimes this promise of resurrection power that Jesus brought is from His first breath. He begins to resurrect. He seals the deal. It's like, I, honestly, I know this gets me in trouble when I say it, but I feel like I need to. I don't. Believe what you want about was, the, was it literally a big flood in an ark? Was Jonah really? Uh, what are you going to do about the resurrection of Jesus? That's where, that's where you draw the line, right? We can disagree about allegory or whatever. You can think you're right and I can think I'm right. But it, none of it matters if Jesus wasn't really resurrected. Because he was resurrected, then everything he said about you is true. You know, so what does that mean? That means even when you don't see it, he's working. It doesn't take any courage to be a cynic. But it takes a work of the Holy Spirit in your heart to keep believing. To take one more step when you don't believe that there's another step left in you. In that season when you're not getting what you want the most to believe in the Christmas resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So for the past five years, four or five years, this has been one of my most prized possessions. I'm going to look at this camera over here so you can see it close. It's, it's just a little wooden cross. Uh, can I tell you a story about it? Well, mean so much to me to be all right there, buddy. Yep. Thanks, because I'm going to. So four or five years ago, Mike and I aren't sure what year it was. Uh, I was I had, had years of shoulder pain that was keeping me up at night. And a friend who's an orthopedic who said, You'll come to a point in your life where you won't be able to stand the fact that you're not sleeping at night, and then come see me and we're gonna take care of it. And I went to see him and Again, he's been a longtime friend. Our boys were raised up together in our little town, and he said, okay, we're gonna do this surgery to, to fix a lot of broke, rotator cuff and other stuff that was torn. He, he said, now look at me. This is gonna hurt worse than anything you've ever had happen in your life. And he wasn't like, he's not like, he's a very low key guy. And I said, okay. And I went home and told Michael, he says this is gonna hurt, and he tells me I'm not supposed to work for a month, but I don't think it's gonna be that big a deal. And so I go to the little, I go to the hospital to have this surgery, and uh, a dear little, sweet little girl named Ellie, uh, her mama saw me in the waiting room. She was there to sit with Mike, and she said, hey, Ellie, wants want you to have this. And I took this little, this little cross, and I, uh, I put it beside me on my little pre-op table, uh, bed, and Micah took it, and I went in, had the surgery, and I came out, and Micah tells me that I said, now, I'm crazy under drugs. I don't want anybody around me. When coming out of see, she said, the first thing you did is you said you wanted to have your little cross, and I just didn't want to lose it. Sweet Ellie giving it to me, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I had it because I thought I was giving it back to her, and I want to make sure we didn't lose it. And we got home, and I don't want to bore you with the details, but, like, this doctor didn't undersell the amount of pain in a shoulder surgery. Now, I'm, a, I'm kind of a wimp anyway, so I'm not the right guy to ask. But people I've talked to who aren't wimps said that's the most, one of the most painful surgeries. Well, I'm taking drugs as I go home, and I'm thinking, I've had a block, a nerve block, and I'm thinking, well, this ain't hard. I mean, what are y'all talking about? And the doctor said, yeah, but five hours after surgery, you got to take these medicines and have this Excel spreadsheet, my head of all this stuff I'm supposed to take, because when it comes, it's going to come. And so I'm taking. Everything's got an own on the end of it. I don't know. Hide your coat on. All this stuff, and I'm going, Mike. This isn't bad. And about 11:30 that night, the nerve block wore off. I felt it in my fingers first, and it started moving up my arm. And again, I'm I'm not trying to exaggerate. I'm just telling you, man, that uh, like the next couple of hours, like I couldn't believe how badly I hurt. Under the influence of these narcotics, I was like. It's killing me. And I reached over there and I grabbed this little cross and I just, I'm just holding it. I'm just doing this. I mean, I'm hurting so I'm just doing this. I'm just, just something to get my mind off of what's going on. And uh, the thing about shoulder surgery is when you've injured yourself, when you've been wounded, and you're like, it's, it's got to hurt for a while before it gets better. And so I found myself over the next week because the only thing that I was scared of more than having a lot of pain was becoming addicted to hydrocodone. And so I was like barely taking it. And I'm trying to grip my way through it. And I just like, this becomes my thing. And uh, and so I say to my friend, hey, I know Ellie wants her little cross back. She said, I oh, don't know that's for you. She bought this for you because she feels like her little cross just like this is what got her through the hell of the last few years of her life. See, what you don't know is sweet little Ellie, this little elementary school girl with this beautiful smile, woke up one morning. And her 40-something-year-old daddy had had a heart attack and died in the middle of the night. And three little kids are facing the rest of their, their days, missing their daddy with a mama who's fighting through it herself. And as she was seeing a counselor who was helping her begin to deal with some of this grief, the counselor gave her... One of these, and this became one of the lifelines for her. And when I began to understand, not that this was something I, I knew the story, but something I was borrowing, but something she was giving to me. And as I kept looking at it, I thought about how much this, why it means so much to me. It's not just because Ellie gave me one; it's because this represents. And some of you are young, and you just look at me and just trust this old man, like. What I just told you represents what's going to happen in your life. You're going to get wounded. You're going to get hurt. And it's going to get harder before it gets easier. And sometimes all you can do is hang on to the reality of a baby born in Bethlehem who lived a sinless life, who died an unjust death, and who on the third day was risen again, whose life was punctuated By the reality of his resurrection power. And if you hang on to it, you're believing that out of your pain, some healing's going to come. That out of this hard moment that you find yourself in, alone in a holiday season. This is the moment in time when those of you who don't feel like you have much, it gets amplified in this season. Those of you who have struggles in this season because you're estranged from your kids. Those you are missing loved ones in these seasons, who find yourself unemployed in this season, who battling depression in this season like no other time of the year, see the promise of Christmas. Is not simply a baby in a manger. It is resurrection power that you hang on to, believing that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he may not give you what you want, but he'll always give you exactly what you need. He may not fix your marriage, but he'll resurrect your heart. He may not fill your bank account, but he will fill your life. So you just don't stop believing. You keep walking. You choose the path of courage to not give in to the enemy's lies. It won't ever be the same again. But it can be fuller and deeper and richer than your pain is lying to you telling you is going to be your existence for the rest of your life. Christmas is the promise Of resurrection so you hope for me and I hope for you we'll hang on to this together and one day he's gonna wipe away every tear I'll be known as I'm fully known I'll stand in his presence and it will make perfect sense to me. But until that day comes, I'm just going to rely on resurrection power. Can we believe that together today, everybody? Can we just believe for it today? If you go, that's not my situation. Can we just believe for somebody else? Can we hope for somebody who's having a hard time having hope? Can we pick up our heads from this insanity of these next three weeks and the pace at which we run and just stop for a moment can we just come and let us adore him can we take it off the gold line pages of our bible and see it as some nostalgic story and begin to believe that there's resurrection power available to every one of us let's pray together father thank you so much not for what you did, but for what you're doing. Because of what you did, we can trust in what you're doing. Even what you're doing makes no earthly sense. And I pray, for, I pray in this moment, especially for those who identify so clearly with me. In this existence of, not, of, of being disappointed and disillusioned and Would you give us new hope for resurrection power? Believing that what Jesus did for those who felt no value and worth, he's still doing. For those who haven't had their prayers answered, that Jesus is still coming and doing beyond what we can ask or imagine. Just build our faith, Father, in this season. Thanks for resurrection Power not being an Easter thing. I'm glad it's a Jesus thing. Come on, somebody. Are you glad it's a Jesus thing? I'm grateful for it. So we adore you. We worship you. We lay ourselves at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.